Hey, I'm Allison Hare, and welcome to Little Left of Center, the podcast that interviews culture changers that are reshaping our world and breaking new ground. My guest today is Victor Tiffany. He is a political organizer and activist for Bernie Sanders and one of the co-founders of the Bernie or Bust 2020 campaign. I was particularly interested in how you move a community in such a divided political climate and one that is very confusing. And also, how do you fend off the trolls in social media? Victor has an interesting perspective I know you'll be curious to learn more about. Please enjoy. Well, we can get started. Um, I And first of all, I thank you so much for taking a few minutes with me. It was interesting. I'm not sure if you're familiar, but my podcast, Little Left of Center, is not a political podcast, but it is it is designed to explore and to talk to people who are culture changers. And one of the reasons why I started this podcast was kind of born of frustration from the political climate of feeling like I didn't know how to start, how to move a community or how how could my contributions make a difference. So it kind of was born out of the out of the political climate but really translated into anything of finding people of how do you move a community. And so I did a lot of studying on you and have so many questions. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So I, um, just, uh, I just found out not too long ago, and we've confirmed that just last weekend, that we moved not only uh, a nation of Bernie supporters, but also there's now something called a Bernie or Bust Generation. Tell me more. It was a essay contest winner published in the New York Times, 17-year-old who will be voting next year for the first time. And she didn't elaborate. She just referred to herself as a member of the Bernie or Bust Generation, which made my eyes kind of pop out of my head. <laughs> You're making a difference. And I, I, you know, I think it's such a vitriolic political climate and I'm curious, as somebody who is, has co-founded the Bernie or Bust and Citizens Against Plutocracy, I had to look up what plutocracy meant um, and revolt against plutocracy, that you have been an activist for a long time and are an author and co-founded the Bernie or Bust 2016 campaign and now 2.0 or 2020. So I'd love to hear a little more about your background and why you. Sure. As we wrote the book, Burn Your Bus Pioneers of Electoral Revolt, and I got to chapter 11, the what what's next chapter, I had to come up with the decision as whether we were actually going to do this or not again. And a lot of that chapter or some of that chapter is the transcription of our conversation as to whether we were going to do Bernie or Bernie or bust again or some sort of leverage. I didn't know if Bernie was going to run again, but we could do something again. And through that conversation, it was decided we were going to we were going to do something. And now the question was, who who were we going to back this way? And I saw a video from uh, a commentator during the in the lineup to um, the midterms, and she was complaining that the Justice Democrats was sort of brought about by two or three people who laid out. You know, the criteria for a justice Democrat, the, the name justice Democrat, the uh, the platform for the justice Democrats. And she didn't think that was very democratic. So <laughs> I took that to heart and I realized 
Well, a handful of us can't be deciding who the next president is going to be if this leverage strategy actually works. So we put the whole thing open to all of our subscribers of our newsletter. At the time, about 47,000 subscribers, people who took the Bernie or Bust pledge last time, and uh, asked them, is it going to be Bernie or Bust, or maybe we should do Tulsi or trash the Democratic Party, Andrew <laughs> or screw the Democratic Party, Brown or down with the Democratic Party, Warren or war on the Democratic Party. And around 70% of those people, not surprisingly, chose Bernie or Bust again. So that's basically how that came about for round two. And tell me about your background. So you've got an MA in social sciences. You have an activist background. Tell me more about about how this came about for you as, as somebody who is a political organizer. Sure. Well, we were active in the move to amend effort to overturn the Citizens United v. FEC decision that gave corporations the freedom to essentially buy our elections. It's a cynical way of putting it, but that's the upshot. And uh, I was active at the state level here in New York in that, and I was also a commentator on a website called the Amendment Gazette. We would, you know, go after the people who were the right-wing commentators around the country who would denounce our activities and we would look at them and, and debunk their, uh, or disassemble de- uh, their, their arguments against us. And during the course of 2014, there was a study that came out by Gillums and Page looking at 30 years of how laws are passed and who's behind those laws and functioning or dysfunctioning of, of American democracy. And they came to the conclusion that it's not a democratic order, that basically we get the laws that the, the plutocrats want, that the wealthy few who sort of run the government get what they want and the rest of us get uh, crumbs, if that. And then I, a pretty consistent reader of Chris Hedges on Truthdig, and between those two things, those two uh, sort of bodies of literature, I came to the conclusion that we're not going to get an amendment, we're not going to get any progressive legislation, we're not going to get Medicare for all, we're not going to get campaign finance reform, we're not going to get anything that people want unless there's a revolution. So Mm -hmm. sometime in 2014, I realized that uh, the country needs a revolution, and on New Year's Day 2015, I published on the Amendment Gazette, Standing on the Edge of the Next American Revolution, which is no longer available online, but it is essentially chapter one of our book explaining why the United States needs a revolution. So that's that's sort of how I got turned around from just a normal political activist into a uh, into a uh, revolutionary. Yeah, and and for those that support Bernie, he has reached a passionate, almost cult-like following. I mean, people really have gotten behind him. It's almost like a religious figure. Why Bernie? Why why does Bernie align with your ideology? How did that come about for you as well? Well, I've always been a progressive. I've never, I have not always been a Democrat. I've, you know, jumped around on parties. And, and that's kind of the approach that we continue with in terms of political leverage. We'll uh, vote, we'll register Green, and or sorry, we'll register Democrat and vote in the primaries and try to get someone like Bernie Sanders the nomination. And if it doesn't work, we'll dem exit and uh, become a Green or a member of the Socialist Party or any other progressive party 
and, and try to help get them elect. So it, it was just a, a process that sort of unfolded uh, naturally. And as somebody who is is involved in this, tell me the difference between progressive and liberal and Democrat. Sure. So there's small d and capital D. Small d Democrat, which I am in a sort of radical way to the whole idea of revolt against plutocracy is we have a uh, proposal for comprehensive campaign finance reform that would legalize democratic order in the United States so that people couldn't use their wealth to influence elections. We would all have equal contributions to candidates, to political parties and political action committees. So Democrat is just either a party designation or hopefully everyone in the country is a Democrat and nobody prefers dictatorship. Uh, as far as progressive and liberal, liberals will accept a lot less re- uh, regulation for corporate behavior. Progressives have an understanding that there's something wrong, terribly wrong in this country in the in the amount of influence that corporations have in our whole political system. In fact, Chris Hedges makes it a point to argue that we are in a corporate state. And this happened actually before the Citizens United v. FEC decision. And we don't have a democratic order. We have an order that the, the corporations want us to have. And this there's a sneaky sort of almost hidden process underway over the last 30, 40 years where uh, the, the, the actual whole political, the ruling philosophy, the political philosophy of the ruling class has become not, not liberal, which is what it was much, much of uh, American history, but what's called neoliberal, and there, there's a spe- very specific agenda for the neoliberals. And there's a huge distinction between neoliberals and progressives. The neoliberals basically accept corporate uh, governance and, and try to play a identity politics to get little incremental changes here and there. And progressives see this whole process of, of corporate governance as, as a threat to the American way, to the American republic, and uh, really want to put their thumb down on corporate power and, and take power away from them since they have usurped so much power. And, and this has been done largely through so-called free trade agreements. Free trade agreements these days are not your grandfather and my grandfather's free trade. Back then, free trade was defined as low tariffs or no tariffs and a prohibition against government manipulation of currency value. That was it. That was free trade. Modern free trade is a, really a threat to the American worker. It's a threat to the environment. It's a threat to democratic order and democratic power, in part because they use what's called investor state dispute settlement chapters. I don't want to get too boring here, but yeah. basically they function as a kind of legalized corporate protection racket. You know what a criminal protection racket is. The criminals go up to a business owner and say, your, your building is going to be burned down this Saturday, but, but we'll protect you for you know, 100 hours a week. We'll make sure these guys don't burn your building down, even though they're the ones who are burning the building down. And that's a criminal protection racket. And these investor state dispute settlement tribunals are extrajudicial uh, mechanisms by which corporations can sue the government, because the government has the gall to protect the water, to protect the air, to protect property rights of, of owners, uh, property owners, and so forth. It's it's a very malicious and malignant, malignant trade regime that's gone way past the mechanisms of trade and into every aspect of economic life there is. Even the way we consume under neoliberalism, it's, it's hyper 
cons- consumerism. There's there's nothing that's um, to be appreciated in its natural state. Everything is to be transformed into a, a product or a service bought and sold. It, it, we're in a very dangerous time, a large part because this political philosophy, even though it's the philosophy of Democrats and Republicans alike, isn't really well understood by very many Americans. And uh, part of our goal in writing Burn Your Bus Pioneers of Electoral Revolt is to expose this political philosophy and help people understand the various characteristics of of neoliberalism. Yeah, I appreciate you explaining that for me. And I think it's, you know, people really run a spectrum between Republican, Democrat, liberal, you know, people that are actively involved, people that are passively involved, people that don't care, you know, and people that just don't want to hear it. It's become so ugly out there. When you consider who you target for burning your bust, who is your target audience? Yeah, there's two answers because there's two ways that question could, two things that question could mean. One is who do we target to take the burn your bus pledge to become a Bernie or Buster, and that would, of course, be supporters of Bernie Sanders. As far mm-hmm. as who we target with this message that there's more and more people becoming Bernie or Bust, there is a generation of Bernie or Busters. There is more Bernie or Trumpers, that is, swing voters, than there are official Bernie or Bumpers, Busters, rather, sorry. And then the Democratic Socialists of America have passed a Bernie or Bust resolution at their national uh, committee meeting a few weeks a few weekends back so there's all kinds of reasons why bernie sanders isn't just the strongest the most electable candidate people think he's centrist a lot of democrats think he's unelectable because he's a democratic socialist but in fact he's the most electable because he's a democratic socialist Partly because of the Bernie or Bus groups, and we're we're anywhere from a hundred thousand to a million. I, it's we haven't quantified the uh, Bernie or Bus generation yet, but we know there's we know they're out there at least in pockets around the country, and it's also uh, people who are currently in college, people who saw what the DNC did to Bernie Sanders last time around, don't want anything to do with his political party if it isn't Bernie Sanders. But we want Democrats to understand. It's Bernie or bust. All categories of Bernie or bust aren't the a another candidate's biggest problem. There's a study that came out in 2015 by French political economist Thomas Piketty, who looked at 70 years of voter behavior in the United States, England, and France, and wrote a published a paper about it, and explained that poor people in all three in all three states, poor people and poorly educated people will not come out and vote at all unless there's a social democrat on the ballot, somebody offering them things that they need, like free education so they can improve their lot in life, a higher minimum wage so they can earn more and when for the time they put in on the job, and, and Medicare for all because they're in desperate straits health-wise and they can't afford you know, dental cleaning, much less a physical or of uh, uh, healthcare when they actually do get sick. These are people who desperately need the, this kind of democratic socialist agenda. And poor people, there's a lot more poor people in this country than there are Bernier busters in any formulation of that phrase. And there's a lot more poorly educated people in this country than there are Bernier busters. So, 
they're not coming out. These people are not coming out for Elizabeth Warren. They're not coming out. In fact, we looked very carefully to see if we could take credit for the defeat of Hillary Clinton in 2016. And we would have claimed credit if we could have. But we fell in Pennsylvania 9,600 votes short of taking claiming credit for that. That was when Bernie Bus was a pioneering effort. This time around, there were people writing about Bernie or Bus before we even launched Bernie or Bus 2.0. The, the, there's a Bernie or Bus resolution by the DSA. There's a Bernie or Bus generation. So even though we're a much bigger threat this time around to someone like uh, Elizabeth Warren or Joe Biden or, or any of these other establishment Democrats, we're the least of their problems. They're, these, these poor people and these poorly educated people aren't coming out for any establishment Democrat, but they will come out for Bernie Sanders. So we believe not only is Bernie the strongest, the most electable candidate, and, and I have to add a caveat, barring a market crash, stock market crash, or a recession, in, under those conditions, Bernie may be the only challenger who can actually defeat Donald Trump, regardless of what the polls are saying right now. Because remember, the polls were saying the day before the election in 2016 that Hillary Clinton was going to be the next president. So we just don't trust what those early, what these early polls are saying right now, especially showing Joe Biden. But he, he, he's just, he can't speak normally. He's, he's sunsetting compared to, for example, Bernie Sanders, who even though he's older than Biden, he's still very much in his prime. Well, we also have a president that can't speak in complete sentences either. So I don't know that the bar is that high, you know, from from a communication perspective. And, and I think that kind of brings me to, you know, with media controlling so much of the narrative, if you understand the media, you can't believe everything you read in any direction, anything that you see. It's it's very, very biased. So how does Bernie push through? How does he get through when so much like people are crushed with with media, whether it's social media, whether it's mainstream news, whether it's, you know, New York Times or Washington Post or whatever it is. How does Bernie push through that and how do you help? Yeah, that's a good question. He's pushing through that exactly the same way that he's actually getting the poor people and poorly educated people identified registered on a list and then registered to vote and then uh, probably transported to the polling place if they needed to be. And I'm talking about Bernie's 1.1 million volunteer army. They're the ones who are going to be getting the word out to friends and relatives. In fact, a lot of uh, people were swayed in 2016 by Bernie's volunteers uh, emailing their parents, emailing their grandparents, emailing friends and 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 family, and telling and telling guys the real deal. He's he's not just another Obama who's going to uh, campaign like a progressive and govern like a moderate Republican. He he's the real deal. He is a a genuine progressive. So he's got this army to do that. He's got his own uh, media channels at this point, and then. We're also helping him by conveying not just the burn your bus message, but this this whole electability message. We have a video that we're going to be re- improving upon in the coming months on our website, burnyourbus.info. Originally, that was set up to help promote and sell burn your bus pioneers of electoral revolt. And we have bumper stickers we're selling. We hope to have thousands of bumper stickers around the country that say burn your bus dot info pointing people to this website. 
And we realized we're not using this website to the full capacity if we don't use it to do exactly what you're alluding to here, which is help make the case that Bernie Sanders is the most electable candidate. You're not going to hear on CNN or MSDNC, I mean, sorry, MSNBC, or read in the Washington Post, which is very anti-Bernie, or the New York Times, which is also pro-establishment. The legacy corporate media is not going to convey this uh, these categories of voters who will not back another establishment Democrat. You're just not going to hear this analysis. So we decided. So what do you deem as trustworthy news sources? Like, how do you get your news? Yeah, it's another uh, part of the of our book is to list trustworthy news sources. So I use um, Tim Black as a reliable news source. I use. Uh, the comedian, uh, actually, there's two comedians who are, are very good sources of progressive news and information. There's uh, Lee Camp and his Redacted Tonight. And then, of course, there's the uh, Jimmy Dore uh, YouTube channel, which is uh, very funny and very enlightening. That's really how you change a culture, by the way, yes, is through is. art. And in a lot of cases, from a political perspective, comedy is what's able to turn things around and allow people to internalize it in a way that's going to, you know, help them form an opinion that um, that has perspective. Because it's hard to form otherwise, because we are, you know, we're inundated right. with messaging. So kind of trying to figure out how to discern how you kind of filter through the BS. I think the other, the other thing that I was especially is, uh, interested to speak to you about is you guys have an army of people that your job is to educate and and kind of help people understand. But there are a lot of trolls out there. You know, you guys are on social, you have blogs and commentary in the website, um, and a lot of channels that you do that. How do you know when to engage to either correct somebody or when somebody is just a troll? You know, like, how do you discern the best way to educate instead of just getting into stupid wars that aren't going to go anywhere? You know, for people that aren't really looking to get changed or educated, you know? Right. Well, we use our website a lot. We, Or I should say websites. We have two now. The original Burn Your Bust was a free blog. And then our uh, burnyourbust.info website. And the answer, I'll give you one very specific answer, which is on Twitter, we just do a search of hashtag Burn Your Bust. And that gives us a whole array of people. Maybe they're just you know, using burn your bus as a slogan and we can recruit them to take the pledge. And maybe they're critical of burn your bus. And we're, these are actually the most important people we reach out to. One thing we stress as a committee and revolt against plutocracy is a committee of currently three people is to uh, kill them with kindness is to be nice. We were firm in our, in our position that it's going to be Bernie or we're voting third party, but not to be angry about it, not to be um, a bully about it, not to be uh, calling people names or calling people stupid sure. or anything like that. We try yeah, to, it's hard. We try to kill them it's with hard kindness. to read through that. Yeah. yeah. So that's one way. We just go down, and, and there's tons and tons of people using that hashtag. Go to, go to the Bernie or Bust search result on Twitter, and there's about 10 tweets per hour using Bernie or Bust. People who support Warren... Elizabeth Warren will back Joe Biden. They will back Bernie Sanders uh, and so forth. So 
And we make the distinction that, hey, our or bust option last time was Jill Stein. And our plan B this time, if Bernie Sanders were to get sick and drop out for any reason, our plan B is Tulsi Gabbard, Tulsi or trash the Democratic Party. We'll just seamlessly slide over if for any reason he drops out. We are leverage activists. And this whole idea of leverage is was, was pioneering last time around. And, and so it's still something people have a hard time wrapping their heads around and, and they misconstrue what we're doing. First of all, they blame us for Donald Trump. And as I indicated earlier in our conversation, we fell about 600 or 9,600 votes shy of claiming credit last time for uh, Hillary Clinton's defeat. You know, people use the language of lesser evil. We talk about dangerous candidates and we saw and, and still make the case that Hillary Clinton, as dangerous as Trump is, Hillary Clinton was even more dangerous. So, that's one of the things that we try to lighten people on, that these that the, that these establishment Democrats are coming at us. They're coming at Trump from his right in foreign policy. They, they don't like the fact that he gets along with Vladimir Putin or the, the, the chairman of the Communist Party in North Korea. We think that's right-wing uh, and dangerous. And, and they have these stupid trade agreements. Remember, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, which would have been this fundamental transformation of the United States from a democratic order to a corporate order that was being pushed by Barack Obama, a Democrat. So we're trying to make the case that these, the people who, who are critical of Bernie or bust into realizing a, we need a revolution in this country. We need a revolution in order to establish a democratic system of campaign finance. We need a revolution, a green revolution in order to transform the energy sector into a, a green energy sector. And, and that alone is uh, the best reason to reject all the rest of the Democrats and to make sure that Bernie Sanders replaces Donald Trump. And it's a matter of emergency. This is an existential crisis and we're nearing a tipping point. We don't think four more years of either a neoliberal Democrat or Donald Trump is going, we think four more years of either of them will, will make it impossible to turn this thing around we're, we're facing human extinction it's, it's well, I very think people difficult. are starting to grab the concept specifically now in september when it's hurricane season so people are affected i mean we are starting to see in real time what's what's happening in the climate crisis and i'm wondering if bernie doesn't get the nomination if tulsi gabbard doesn't get the nomination you said that you're going to vote third party do you feel that no vote gives votes to Trump. All these things contribute to whether it's voting third party or staying home or uh, I guess those are the two choices or writing in Bernie Sanders, which is a, our original idea. And we've been trying to turn people away from that because it's it's a mere protest. But all these uh, would, in fact, inadvertently help Donald Trump. But but the purpose is not helping Don, helping Donald Trump. The purpose is to defeat neoliberalism, right? There's a there's two purposes here. The whole idea is to convey to Democrats in no uncertain terms, if you want to defeat Donald Trump, you must nominate Bernie Sanders. But if they don't do that, which is the premise of your question, then our intention, this whole idea of leverage and, and voting for a progressive third party aims to escort or transport the neoliberal Democratic Party into the ash can of history. And if that means... They're going to have to have Republican 
administration after Republican administration until Democrats finally understand that neoliberalism is a the the bottom of support has dropped out from beneath neoliberalism. That's happened now. This is coming from someone like Cornell West, and we recognize it too. But trying to get that across to Democrats who listen to CNN and read New York Times or the Washington Post who don't understand just what a dangerous threat this neoliberal political philosophy is to workers and the environment and so forth, trying to get them to understand that centrist is a euphemism for neoliberal. And so you you back someone like Joe Biden, and sure, you recognize his name, but look at what he's done in his career. And we have a tab on our website called Neoliberals. And Almost every day I'm adding an article about something by a progressive somewhere published online that's critical of of Joe Biden. Are you familiar with Sean King? Yes. He's the activist and is the leader. He's been a leader of Black Lives Matter and is also the leader of Flip the Senate or HowWeFlipTheSenate.com. And he succinctly breaks down what it takes to make a huge change. And he broke it down into four parts. And the first thing is you need to energize people. Bernie definitely has that, you know, a deeply, deeply organized plan and then uh, or deep organization, I should say. And the third thing is that you need an organized plan that's equally as complex as the problem. So it has to match how complex the problem is. And the fourth thing are resources and finances. So given that breakdown, how is Bernie or Buss set up to win? Well, let's start with money. Last time around, Bernie or Buss began with uh, one person, me, testing out the uh, pledge form to make sure it worked right. This time we're starting out with 47,000 potential donors. Right? So if they donate just a dollar a month, we have a huge advertising budget. Organization, we're pretty sparse organizationally. We have. I was just thinking about this not too long ago, not in light of what Sean King said, but just in terms of how flexible we are. A heavier organization, a larger organization takes more time to make a decision. They're, they're less mobile. We are extremely flexible. We're, we're a, a small committee. We might be three people. We might be seven people. We can very quickly make decisions. So we're much more fleet than a heavier and yeah, larger. Yeah, it sounds like you ha- you're able to be nimble. Much. Thank you. That's the word I was looking for. And as far as uh, the plan matching the complexity, again, last time, maybe we didn't have the plan to match the complexity. We had a very straightforward approach. We We had no book that described what we were doing, and we had no offline presence at all. This time, we have greater complexity because we have more candidates. Last time, it was Bernie or Hillary Clinton. This time... Yeah. We have uh, rev- we have progressives in Tulsi and Bernie, and we have the establishment in all the rest. And we didn't draw that line, by the way. They did in 2016 when they backed either Bernie Sanders or Hillary Clinton. Though that line was drawn by the candidates. So the complexity is a little greater because you've got Elizabeth Warren, who a lot of progressives are supporting, thinking she's progressive, not realizing, in our view, that she's an establishment politician running to the left to try to to make sure that the progressives are divided and Bernie Sanders does not go into the DNC with the, a majority of delegates, pledged delegates. So that's part of the complexity. Now, how, how do we address, how does our plan address this? You're actually participating in it right now. Last time we didn't do any podcasts. 
We didn't even think about doing podcasts. I spent most of this period of time four years ago looking for someone to be a spokesperson because I didn't want to be a spokesperson. (laughs) I wanted to stay behind the scenes. I wanted to, you know, I had enough to do just organizing the data coming in and and, uh, operating the website. And, of course, I have a full-time job on top of everything I do. And I'm the family cook. I mean, it's, it's, there's a lot on my plate. You know, no one else has written the book on uh, electoral leverage, for starters. There's probably no one who knows the subject better than I do. So this time we are going after podcasts. Part of the problem with legacy media isn't false news. They don't lie. And if they do make mistakes, they, they usually correct the mistakes. The problem with legacy media, corporate media, is what they don't say what they don't cover so and and people have to go out to other sources like podcasts such as your own or jimmy Dore or tim black to get news that they just don't hear on on legacy corporate media but the whole the idea is to have an offline presence this time and that's why we're encouraging people to go to burnyourbus.info where they can get one of our bumper stickers which points people to that website where we can where we make the case that Bernie Sanders is easily the most electable candidate, not despite his democratic socialism, but because of his democratic socialism and because of the Bernie or bust strategy and because of the whole generation. I don't want to say whole generation, but pockets of a new generation that are Bernie or bust, plus the poor people and poorly educated people. So we have a, a much more complex approach toward reaching uh, Democrats, mainstream Democrats, people driving down the road. What's that bumper sticker say? Oh, burnyourbus.info. Maybe they'll get home and remember to look at it. I better find out about these people and see what they're saying. So we just have a, a much more integrated and complex approach this time around. And Bernie does, too, in his campaign. He's got Bernie app which is um, used by his uh, volunteers, 1.1 million volunteers, are basically getting people registered. He Basically, he's building his own voter database. And that's how they're reaching out. And, you know, they're going door to door. They're finding these poor people who don't want to vote, who don't believe in voting, convincing them that Bernie's different, that he's, that he's uh, leading a, a political revolution that will do things for poor people that a candidate like Joe Biden will, will never do. So he's got greater complexity in his approach this time around as we do. So if it's ever going to work, it's going to be 2020. And if it doesn't work, it's going to be a disaster for the entire world. I do think there is disaster could be very well be imminent. <laughs> and I'm wondering, have you met Bernie Sanders before? No, I've never met him. Has he ever talked about Bernie or Bust? No, uh, he was asked by Jake Tapper just before the California primaries in 2016 about Bernie or Bust. Sunday morning before the California and New Jersey primaries. And Bernie's reply was, well, if I don't get the nomination, and at that point it didn't look very promising, it's up to Hillary to convince these people that she's worthy of their support. I don't think he really understood the depth of our... uh, Commitment to revolution, that, that's really what this is about. Our disdain at that point and, and ongoing for um, not just Hillary Clinton, that personalizes it, but for neoliberals in general, whether it's Barack Obama, Joe Biden, Hillary Clinton, Bill Clinton, Kamala Harris, 
Cory Booker. These are just dangerous people who should be Republicans. And the only reason they're not is they have different uh, positions on around the whole approach toward identity politics. You know, they're supporting of gay marriage and conservatives are not. They are supporting op- opposing prayer in school and conservatives are not. So there's, there's these, you would think that the Democrat and Republican parties are vastly different because of the, because of their differences around identity politics. But in fact, when it comes to, and this is before Trump came along and really disrupted what the Republicans stood for. When it comes to wall street policies and business policies, they're one party. They're a political duopoly. So Bernie or bust really represents a revolution without an on off switch. Bernie's political revolution does have an on off switch. If he doesn't get the nomination, his little revolution gets turned off and all of a sudden he serves as sheepdog hurting progressives into the neoliberal party fold. He'll tell us, oh, we have to support Joe Biden or whoever the DNC chooses in their smoke-filled rooms. Our goal is to convince them before that happens that that's exactly what's going to happen. Trump will be reelected well, if, uh, if, if that's it's not burning. Yeah, that's where I want to hold for a second because, you know, what you just explained from from a Bernie or bust perspective, from a Bernie perspective, that it's a very grassroots, from the people, for the people approach. How do you inspire non-Bernie voters? And especially if you're looking at Bernie or bust, these are people that are already kind of on the Bernie train. So is your goal to inspire non-Bernie voters, and how do you do it in a way that is effective and not just you shouting into the, the abyss? Yeah, so they're, they're, the, the campaign's approach and our approach is quite different. They have their volunteers, and they, they, they're trained to listen carefully and then, you know, and then do the talking or do some talking, do their persuasion and whatnot. Our approach this time is quite a bit different than last time. Our approach is softer. We let them figure out that this is a demand. People who might be leaning toward Warren or Biden and so forth, we let them figure out. And and again, this is what we're doing in this opening monologue on our on our uh, website that we direct people to using the bumper sticker. That we we basically lay out that there's a whole bunch of Bernie or bust things out there, and if if they want to unite the Democratic Party. There's only one candidate that's going to make that happen. Uh, so it's it's while Bernie or bust is a form of extortion, we don't present it quite that way. We let them figure out, wait a minute, this sounds like extortion to me, rather than saying, hey, support Bernie Sanders and nobody gets hurt. This time around, it's a little bit trickier. And what we're hoping to do is just convince people through, through this uh, integrated strategy that we have that partly because of Bernie or bust, but mostly because of lack of support for the Democratic Party establishment. They've lost hundreds of seats around the country. The, the, the best election they've had in a long time was the midterms, and that was because Donald Trump was so horrible. They the, the, There was a blue wave in the House just to offer resistance to his corporate agenda but really it's going to be someone like bernie sanders or not someone like it's got to be bernie sanders if they want to turn the house 
only Bernie Sanders is going to bring these poor people and the Bernie or Busters into the ele- election process behind the Democrat, which means only Bernie Sanders is going to have long coattails. In other words, if Bernie is the nominee, they can flip the Senate and turn that blue and build their majority in the House and make that bluer and get more progressives elected into the House. So the, the persuasion this time is that Bernie or Bus is a factor that you need to weigh into the consideration when you look at who you're going to support when you go out and vote in the primaries. If they want to unite, they have to figure out who's the best candidate, who has the more greatest ability to do that. So it's a persuasion. It's not so much of a demand this time around as much as it's Bernie or Bus is a factor that Democrats have to weigh if they want to throw Donald Trump out of office and throw Mitch McConnell out of his position as majority leader. Bernie or Bust is the best candidate, or I'm sorry, Bernie Sanders is the best candidate to do that. <laughs> Who's running? Right. <laughs> so how can people get involved? If somebody, this is really resonating for people, how do they get involved and contribute to Bernie or Bust? What does that look like? Sure. Well, how, Bernie can or they, bus, how can they yeah, get involved? BernieBus.info is kind of a hub. And from there, they can get a bumper sticker. They can get the book, which we're asking people to share with other Democrats, not just read and stick on a bookshelf. That's not the purpose of this book. This book is an instrument of peaceful revolution. And by the way, we are not going to keep the proceeds. We're not going to get wealthy off this book or rich off this book. The money we make for Bernie or Bust is going back into our political action committee to help Bernie Sanders win the nomination and then the general election. But from there, they can go, there's a button on the right-hand side where they can take the Bernie or Bust pledge. And they can take that pledge, but there's also on that website a tab at the top or a web page called Movement Building. And that explains a lot of tutorials that show how to promote Bernie or Bust on social media. Also, if they sign up as a volunteer, they sign they fill that tab out as a volunteer, we're going to get them involved, in, if they're on Facebook, in a um, what we call the rap sheet. But basically, we have tutorials all set up. It's a turnkey operation. Just follow along the, the uh, tutorials. Once or twice, you'll get it. You'll understand exactly what we're doing. And then you can just operate this whole thing on your own. Spread the uh, Bernie or Bust word and basically help make the case that if you don't follow Bernie's light, we're going to continue running from Trump's fire. <laughs> so how can people find you? Yeah, on Facebook, we are Revolt Against Plutocracy, the page. That way, that way they can reach out to, uh, to us on a message on that page. If you're not on Facebook, it's uh, at Bernie or Bust on Twitter. In other words, just get that phrase in front of them so they have to start figuring out what the heck's going on here so they can come to their own understanding that Bernie Sanders is easily the most electable challenger to the president. Again, the caveat being, unless there's a market crash. And with that, we are at the top of the hour. I can't thank you enough, Victor Tiffany, for spending some time and explaining more about Bernie or Bust. I'm excited to get this out to the world as well. Yeah, me too. And I appreciate this, Allison, for inviting me and giving me this chance to explain uh, what our strategy is and what our approach is and, and some of our tactics. Thanks for making it all the way through to the end of the episode and listening to my chat with Victor Tiffany of Bernie or Bust. I've linked the campaign info and some of his references in the show notes. 
In the meantime, I truly hope you'll not only subscribe to Little Left of Center, but leave a review and continue sharing these episodes. They make a huge impact when when you keep sharing. Sharing is caring. I'm also looking for sponsors for future episodes and have some exciting new things in the works. Thanks so much for listening, and I will see you next week.